Jesus Christ says to us today exactly how we find satisfaction. You're here right now and frankly, you're miserable. You're here right now and it's been thing after thing after thing and year after year and decade after decade and nothing has ever satisfied you and nothing ever will. Jesus tells you why. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Hi, friends, and thank you for joining us once again at Live in the Light. I'm your host, Craig Turnbull, and joining me in our studios are teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons. And you've joined us today in the middle of our series in Matthew chapter 5. We're calling it The Life That God Blesses. And today, God's Word, Robbie, is, well, it's dishing up a huge meal for us. That's right, it is. And this is a series that is built on, again, the very truths that Jesus Christ, I think, was most passionate about. We've got to be listening. We've got to be listening. And isn't it something that the Beatitudes, again, the beginning of the Sermon of the Mount, the greatest sermon ever given, what is the theme running through this entire series? It's character. It's the heart that God wants to see within his children. God cares so much. Christ cares so much about the character we have within us. Not so much our giftedness, but rather who are we and who are we resembling? And again, today's message is presenting us as people, as men and women who hunger for that which is righteous. And that is where we find satisfaction. This this verse, this beatitude is one of my favorites by far because it just speaks of such important and essential characteristics of who we are to be in Jesus Christ. Hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Again, for that is what satisfies. Are you looking for true satisfaction? We all are. And so often we find it or try to find it in the wrong places. Today's your answer. Today's your answer once again in God's word. Watch out, watch out, because your life might actually get changed by God for his glory. All right, let's go right away to God's word in Matthew 5, verse 6, the best meal ever. And here again is Robbie. Matthew chapter 5 is where we are. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We're looking, of course, at verse 6 today. Matthew chapter 5, if you don't have a Bible with you, you can grab a blue one that's in front of you in the chair, uh, one of the chairs in front of you, and if you decide by the end of the service you don't have a Bible but you want one, then that blue Bible is your Bible as long as you promise to read it, all right? Matthew 5, verse 6. Here's our sermon title today, The Best Meal Ever. The Best Meal Ever. Can you imagine that? The Best Meal Ever? Mmm, right? Whatever it tastes, I mean, it, it's going to taste really good. And that's going to make you say a lot of, mm mm, it's the best meal ever. And that's really what our text summarizes today the best meal ever. And we're going towards the Lord's Supper today, which of course is the best meal ever as well. And all of this connects. Matthew 5, verse 6 connects so beautifully with the reality of the Lord's Supper at the end of the service today, and which is, again, I suggest to you the best meal ever. Matthew 5, verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those, happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they are the ones who shall be, who will be satisfied. So I love this verse. 
This verse really should be a verse that highlights every single one of our lives. Like if there is a life verse, this probably should be it or at least one of them because it describes the entire point and the entire meaning of the Christian life genuinely lived in Jesus Christ. And so in this verse, I love the word blessed. I love the word hunger. I love the word thirst. I love the word righteousness. And I love the word satisfied. Because our world is summed up in the words of mighty Mick Jagger, um, I can't get no satisfaction. Um, That's what our world says. That's what our world is starving for, satisfaction, which they cannot find. Everywhere we look, people are desperately seeking that which will satisfy them, but they will never, ever find it apart from Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ says to us today exactly how we find satisfaction. You're here right now, and frankly, you're miserable. You're here right now, and it's been thing after thing after thing, and year after year, and decade after decade, and nothing has ever satisfied you, and nothing ever will. Jesus tells you why. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now we've been learning as we've gone on within these Beatitudes that context helps with our interpretation. Notice this about the first three and then the fourth Beatitude. Notice the first three Beatitudes have really dealt with us emptying ourselves. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Empty yourself with the awareness that you are broken in sin. Blessed are those who mourn. As you see you're broken in sin, cry, weep, mourn over the fact that you cannot stand before a holy God in your unrighteousness, in your sin. Empty yourself of that which is impure. Blessed are those who are meek. Empty yourself of pride. Empty yourself of the things that get in the way from you inheriting the earth. Notice the first three Beatitudes is get rid of, pour out, become less of, empty out all the junk in your soul, in your sin, in your life. But now the turning point in verse six in the fourth Beatitude Now, instead of empty yourself, the person who is empty is now the person who's ready to be full. And full of what? Full of the Lord, to be filled with a hunger and a thirst, listen, for righteousness. Empty out unrighteousness. And now Jesus says it turns positive, it turns exciting, it turns engaging for our hearts and lives. Now, fill yourself with that is right. Fill yourself with that which is pure. Fill yourself with him with him who makes you whole, for that is the only way you will ever be satisfied. Loved ones, this beatitude is much as an ingredient for the blessed life as anything you will ever hear. It's the man or woman who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. You know, that's why as almost nine years as our church being in existence, we have longed to be known as people who are following hard after God, as people who hunger for the Lord, as people who thirst for the Lord. It's been eight, almost nine years and counting, and that cannot change. It cannot change, and here's why. Because a hunger for the Lord is the single greatest proof you know him. The single greatest indicator that you are genuinely in Christ and following Christ is that you hunger and thirst for the righteousness that is only found in him. 
This is what is needed in our lives. This is what is needed in our homes. And this is what is desperately needed in this church. This beatitude right here, a hunger, a righteousness, that is what will lead to happiness a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Understand this day. This is why this message is so critical. There is no spiritual growth apart from this beatitude. You will not grow in Jesus Christ if you don't hunger for him. You will not see maturity unless you have an appetite for the things of God. And right there, that's one of the main reasons maybe you haven't grown. Little hunger equals little growth. Great hunger equals great growth. I'm telling you, it's that simple. If you hunger for the world, you will not grow in Christ. If you hunger for the Lord, you will be satisfied. You will be blessed. And you will see the righteousness of God himself growing within you. Notice this about this verse. Blessed and happy are not those who hunger for happiness. You see that? It's not about hungering and thirsting for happiness. Happiness is not the goal. Our world is desperate for happiness itself. Our world is constantly longing for the feeling of happiness as happiness is the goal. Um, I heard this week that you have a better chance of being killed by a coconut falling from a tree than you do from winning the lottery. In fact, I, I heard that you have three times a better chance of dying from a coconut falling from a tree than you have from winning the lottery. But our governments push this, these impossible odds upon society. People rush with these impossible odds upon society. And the worst part of all this is, is that even the people who win the lottery ultimately ruin their lives as a result. Because nothing will ever equal true fulfillment or satisfaction apart from the ways and the methods and the faith that's found in Jesus Christ. Look at verse six. Notice what Jesus says. Happiness is not found in happiness. Ready? Happiness is found in righteousness. And righteousness is only found in Jesus Christ. You see, this is the point of the blessed life. The only one, the only one meal that truly satisfies is the life that loves and that hungers and that lives in Jesus Christ. So part of what I love to do within a series like this is to contrast the absurdity of our world, but to recognize the absurdity of our world is what we often buy into to our shame. Listen to this caption that was written from a pair of jeans, okay? So a pair of jeans were bought. This is the caption that was written in a card associated with these jeans. Uh, quote, these jeans are for those conscience of the unique link there is between the way we treat our body and how it treats us. Uh, that's powerful, not these genes are filled with good energies, positive karma, and created to help you to feel confident, beautiful, at peace. Love your soul and it will love your body, which will love your genes. <laughs> All right, just time out for a second. Someone at some point actually sat down and wrote that ridiculousness. Now, I have to assume the person writing that was writing this down, had a buddy nearby and say, hey man, listen to this. This is hilarious. You're never gonna believe what I wrote. People are actually gonna buy this. They're gonna look at it. They're gonna believe this is true. Otherwise, this person actually believed that my path to peace is through a pair of jeans. It's insane. You know the most devastating part about this though? Sometimes we live our lives in such a way that we prove this to be true. 
Sometimes we buy into this lie that we think that clothing, money, merchandise, bigger this, bigger that, will actually create within us a peace, a fulfillment. This is what Jesus wants to speak to you directly about today, directly to you today. He wants you to hear like never before. This message is so utterly critical. You will never be satisfied apart from the ways of the Lord. You will never find the fulfillment you're looking for apart from his righteousness, apart from what only he can do. You have to read today the word and receive the word. Here's the thing about this message, man. You need it tomorrow and you need it the next day and you need it next week and you need it next month and you need it next year and you need it every day of your existence until you meet Jesus Christ in heaven. This is a message that never ever gets old and never ever can get stale and never ever we think we've arrived at that. You need this beatitude every day of your life because you'll be tempted like I am every day of my life to think that happiness is found in something other than the ways and the methods and the blessing and the power and the glory of our Savior. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they alone shall be satisfied. Here's my heart today. Enough of the, enough of the lies of Satan. Enough of, this, enough of this trash. It's time to take out the garbage. Enough of this diet of death. It's time to get to that, which is the best meal ever. And that's why we have one point today. And that's it, one point. Here's the one point. I must hunger for that which truly satisfies. That's it. That's all I want you to take away today. I must hunger for that which truly satisfies. It's simple on purpose. I'm not trying to be clever. I'm trying to make the point that we can never forget. John Stott says this about verse six. He says, there is perhaps no greater secret of progress in Christian living. That gets my attention. Then what? Then what, John? Then a healthy, hearty, spiritual appetite. There is no greater secret of progress in the Christian life than a healthy, hearty, spiritual appetite. Let's talk about that appetite then for a few seconds. What are we hungry for? What are we thirsty for? Verse six, we're thirsty, we're hungry for righteousness. What is this righteousness? This is very important. This righteousness, let's be crystal clear that Jesus refers to here cannot be manufactured by man. It cannot be produced by us. This righteousness is only produced and found and received in Jesus Christ. There is no person that can claim this righteousness on their own. If you were able to claim this righteousness on your own, that means you would have to be without sin. That means you would have to be perfect. Let's take a quick survey. Hands up, who's perfect here? No one is. Therefore, that means then we need a righteousness that is outside of ourselves. We depend then solely on a righteousness that we don't have. We have to get it from somewhere. We have to get it from someone, enter Jesus Christ. This is what we hunger and thirst for, the righteousness that is only found in him so we can gain entrance to harmony with God in heaven forever. 2 Corinthians 5.21, we saw this verse a couple of weeks ago on the screen for you again. Notice, in the case of what is this righteousness, for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin. For our sake, God made Jesus Christ to be sin. Even though he was perfect, he knew no sin. He was perfectly righteous. Why did God do that? Why did God give us his son in his perfection to die for us so that in Jesus Christ, we might become the, what's the word? 
righteousness of God. You see that? This is the righteousness that we can't get ourselves. We have to receive from Jesus Christ. This is the righteousness that Jesus Christ has given to those who receive him by faith. This is the righteousness we hunger for. This is the righteousness we thirst for. This is the righteousness only found in Jesus Christ that satisfies us anything and everything else will not. That we might become the righteousness of God. Romans chapter three, I'm gonna ask you to turn there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter three, verse 21. Listen, if you wanna grow, you gotta go to Romans chapter three. If you wanna grow, man, you gotta go. Romans chapter three, help your friends along. Help your friends along here. This righteousness of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter three, verse 21. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter three. Verse 21. But now the righteousness of God, you guys all there? But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. You see, all the law can do is to point out that we are sinners. The law, because we are sinners, we can't fulfill the law in and of ourselves. So therefore, the righteousness of God has appeared beyond the law, apart from the law. And notice that the law and the prophets bear witness to it. This means that the Old Testament, that the Passover in Exodus is really a type. It's a shadow of the reality of the cross to come, the reality of the righteousness to come, that the whole sacrificial system presented in the Old Testament is ultimately pointing forward to Jesus Christ, pointing forward forward to when the righteousness of God will truly come down. These again are our messianic visions in Isaiah pointing to the one who will be the righteousness of God on behalf of God's people. Verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith. We can't do this. You must receive this by faith. Faith in who? Faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. This righteousness is received. We hunger and thirst through faith, through belief, through love for that which only Jesus Christ can give. Why through only Jesus Christ? For there's no distinction, verse 23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many have sinned? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Is the Bible clear or unclear? It's very clear. We fall short of God's glory. Listen, verse 24. And are justified by his grace. What's grace? Grace is a gift. Grace is something you cannot earn. The moment you earn a gift, it no longer becomes a gift. It's, 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 it becomes a wage. We are justified, justified by his grace as a gift through redemption, through the redemption. What's redemption? It's being bought back. It's being purchased out of slavery from sin under Satan and our own sin. We have been redeemed back by Jesus Christ on the cross as God's gift to us if we believe. Notice verse 25, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. Big words here. What's propitiation? Really, it just means that Jesus Christ suffered God's wrath on our behalf. Whenever you see the word propitiation, think of the wrath of God. Here's the amazing part in our redemption in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross as, as God's propitiation that he took on God's wrath that we would not have to. 
So we deserve the wrath of God because of our sin, because God righteously is holy and needs to punish sin, which is against him. Jesus Christ in our place takes on God's wrath and in turn, we receive God's favor. If we believe, if we see Jesus Christ as savior and as Lord, notice in verse 25, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. What does that mean? Passed over former sins. It means that those who believed before Jesus Christ came, those of faith in the Old Testament, they were looking forward to the cross. That is how they are forgiven. That is how they are saved because God passed over former sins. But the moment Jesus Christ dies on the cross, all sins, present, past, present, and future are forgiven for those who believe. That's what it means right there. This is the wonder of the righteousness of God passed through the righteousness of his son on the cross to die for anyone who truly believes in verse 26. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier. Notice how many times the Bible says this of the one who has faith, faith in Jesus. I'm not trying to overwhelm you there with all of that theological content. I'm trying to show you there's only one place that righteousness begins. When you see this righteousness for what it truly is, and then you value this righteousness, loved ones, listen, this is when you become famished for this righteousness. If you see it, if you see your sin causing Jesus Christ to die, and you see the reality that it's your darkness that Jesus Christ took on, and now you become light because of his love upon your life. When you see it, you value that. You don't stand before the cross board. You're not sitting there in apathy. You are astounded at the grace and the mercy and the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and you see it and you value it, and then you hunger for it. Then you thirst for more of the God who has saved you. You love in affection the Savior who has set you free from darkness and hell. This is the reality of what it means to live out the gospel. This is the righteousness that gives us life over death, that gives us heaven over hell. This is the righteousness that gives us joy over despair. This is the righteousness that satisfies us in happiness over misery. This is just so important. And here's what we must know. This righteousness begins at conversion, but doesn't end at conversion. This righteousness is supposed to grow in us. Two terms I want you to understand when it comes to righteousness. Number one is this. There's a term called legal righteousness. When you are saved at the cross, when you are converted to Jesus Christ, there is a legal righteousness that you received. It's called justification. Stay with me here, all right? This is so important. Justification is a one-time act, 100% God, nothing to do with us. And at that one-time act to be justified in the sight of God means that God has declared you to be legally righteous. It's a legal term. It's a courtroom term. It's a courtroom setting. Look at it this way. You stand before God in judgment day. You are by yourself. You stand there in your black sin. 
And God says to you, why should I let you into heaven? And you're like, uh, I went to church a couple of times. He's like, no, but you have sin all over you. If I'm God and if I'm holy, if I'm righteous, sin doesn't get into heaven because that would be contrary to my nature. You stand there by yourself. God puts the gavel down and rightly he says, in your sin, you are guilty. You are sentenced to death. But in Jesus Christ, here's what happens. You walk into the courtroom, you stand before God in his throne room and he's judge and God's about to pronounce you guilty because of your sin, which you have done. But all of a sudden, Jesus Christ walks into the courtroom and he stands beside you and he says, wait a second, Father, I know Robbie deserves death. I know Robbie deserves wrath. I know he has done everything in his own sin to merit this, that he should go to hell forever. But Father, because I love Robbie so much, unfathomably, I want to take on Robbie's sin. I want to take on the punishment that Robbie deserves. I want to go to the cross and die and bear your wrath, Father, because I love Robbie so much. The father looks at me, he looks at his son, and he says, Robbie, because of what my son has done in love for you, you can go now, you're free. Jesus Christ, you're sentenced to death for the sins you've never, ever committed because of the love that you have for those who believe and trust in you. That's justification. That is what it means to be set free. And at that moment, here's what's incredible, is that I am there in sin. My sin goes on Jesus and the righteousness of Jesus goes on me. It's a great exchange. That's legal righteousness. If you see that for what it is, you are blown away, not just for a day, for the rest of your life. And therefore you hunger and you thirst for the righteousness that has saved you, that has justified you, that has made you legally innocent in the sight of God. There's a legal righteousness, but there's also this, there's a moral righteousness. And here's what's so critical for us today. If you are declared legally righteous in the sight of God, you don't just get saved and then go live life every way you want to. When you see what Jesus has done for the rest of your life, you want to live and love him. That's moral righteousness. You see, if you're truly saved, you must grow. If you've truly been justified, you must be sanctified. There is no justification without sanctification, which means growing more like Jesus Christ. If you have been set free from sin, the rest of your life is a path towards holiness and love and affection and hunger and thirst for the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what it means in this beatitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Are we hungering? Are we thirsting for the righteousness that God has given to us in his son? Because we must be. Because if we're not, we might as well slap God in the face. Because we are saying, I know what you've done, God, but I don't really care because it's not impacting my life. And that's why if you love Matthew 5, verse 6, listen, if you get this verse, when I... When I'm in a good place and I gaze upon Matthew 5, verse 6, and I read, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be satisfied. I'm telling you, my heart lights up. There's an affection triggered within my emotions. There's a, a flame that burns in my soul. Like just, just when I say those words, something takes place in my heart because I know that this is supposed to be my life. This is supposed to be my desires. This is supposed to be my affections. And when I see that hungering and thirsting for righteousness, and then I see that word satisfied, immediately the darkness and the emptiness and my pursuits of trivial, stupid living are pointed out. I say, yeah, Robbie, what are you doing? Go for that which truly satisfies. 
This should happen in your heart. As you listen to this message right now, your heart should be turning over. There should be a fluttering. There should be a delight in your mind. There should be an engagement for that which Jesus Christ deems is more important to you than anything else you could ever do. This trumps any business deal. This trumps anything your kids could ever accomplish. This trumps any virtue you might think you have and the things that you're proud of. There's nothing that compares to being satisfied in the ways of Jesus Christ. Too much of the church is asleep though. Too many Christians don't seem to care. Too many people are living in apathy and laziness. Where's the hunger? Where's the righteousness? Where's the joy? Where's the meaning? Where is this in the church today? Why is it so seldom seen? How come so many Christians are so weak? Because their appetite is so weak, that's why. There's no hunger. And where there's no hunger, there's no growth. So we plead with God today. God, give us a hunger. Give us a thirst for you, for there we shall be satisfied. We will be a church that's satisfied. We'll have bumps, but ultimately we're going in the right direction. There'll be hard days, that's the point. There'll be trial upon trial, that's the point. There'll be days when we fall, that's the point. We get up in the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ. We hunger and we thirst for righteousness. Well, a convicting message for sure, but one that finds us at the end clinging again to the grace that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Loved ones, there is no condemnation for those of us in Christ Jesus. We cling to that truth today as we wrap up this episode and pray that God's grace be with you this day. Thanks for joining us today, listeners. We hope you join us again next time here on Live in the Light.